0: Hi everyone, welcome back for another episode, another EGO's podcast. My name is Rochelle Kernan, and today I have a very special guest. I'm pleased to introduce you to Dr. Allegra Hosford Trier. She is a research scientist at Stanford University. Hi Allegra, how are you doing today?
1: I'm great. It's nice. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. And it's it's amazing how the world turns around, right? Yeah, we met we met several years ago at the University of Texas El Paso mm-hmm. when you were a student and I was an invited speaker. So that that it's amazing. Now we're reconnected because mm-hmm. we were both advocating for gender equality, absolutely. which you know, honestly, I find myself wishing that that wasn't the way we reconnected, but we'll get there someday.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm I'm so glad that. I met you again because I have to tell you, when I saw your presentation um, at UTEP, I think that was 2016-ish, I just remember thinking back then, like, oh my gosh, you are everything that I want to be, like, just your presentation and your skill set and everything, I was so um, just enamored wow. with your style and what you were doing Thank with your you. career. And I, Thank I just wanted to let you know that because I, you thanks. really stood out and I like never forgot that visit uh, with you. you. So when I reconnected wow. with you, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I feel like I'm, I'm able to talk to like a celebrity from Stanford. <laughs> 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 was so That's cool. That's amazing. Uh that
1: gives me stamps, And I will take that away from this, from this talk we're having today. I love to give, Talks and Mm -hmm. I love to meet people. So I wow, this turned out great that we found each other again. And I'm apparently I'm a celebrity.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, a science celebrity in my mind. (laughs) Hooray! All right. So to get started today for the podcast, um, could you sort of take us a journey through um, your geologic career? So how did it how did it begin? And can you kind of explain something maybe that inspired you to become a geologist?
1: Sure. So, funnily enough, fun funnily enough, I didn't always know that I was going to be a geologist, mm-hmm. and I f- I hear that so often yeah. that people knew from the time they were a kid, and my husband knew because his family moved to New Zealand, and that was it for him. He just fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. But I I didn't know. Um, I was in high school and at a public, very large public high school, and I was so. enamored or into math and science that I managed to take six math and six science classes Mm -hmm. by the time I graduated high school. So I knew I would go down that path. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I went to Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island, and I wanted to be an environmental scientist. But I didn't realize that the environmental studies program that I wanted to be in was socially focused mm-hmm. instead of uh, focused on science. Mm-hmm. And so I needed or I wanted a scientific discipline that could marry my love and skill set in math and science mm-hmm. and in also the natural world. Mm-hmm. So I met a professor um, at Brown in the geology department who's probably responsible for a hundred or more current geologists working today. Sure. Um, and she just captured me into geology the first week of school and I've never looked back. Oh,
0: that's awesome. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing that. Um, yeah. So can you take us through a bit of um, where, so you started at Brown and then where did you yep. go for grad school and what degrees did you accumulate along the way? And do you have a story maybe about your career path?
1: Sure. So I got a bachelor's from Brown in science, uh, in geology, a bachelor's of science in geology, physics and math. Mm-hmm. And I I then went less than 60 miles away from Providence. So I guess I wasn't very adventurous, but <laughs> I found um, I was accepted to MIT mm-hmm. in Cambridge, Mass. And I spent a year there studying in the city with some geophysical luminaries, you know, folks that I considered sure. celebrities at the time and mm-hmm. couldn't even go up to speak to because I was just so amazed I was meeting them. Mm-hmm. And then I moved down to Cape Cod where the Woods Hole Oceanographic is. And so I was a joint program student at MIT and at the Oceanographic oh, okay. Institution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was um, terrific. That, was where I got my PhD, okay, um, and so that's that's the the who and the what and the when of what I did. Sure, but you know, as of as for stories, I think the most interesting part of what I did in graduate school was to go into the field. Yeah, mm-hmm. and at an oceanographic institution, that means going to sea. Mm-hmm. So being a geophysicist, I went on cruises that focused on collecting seismic, gravity, and magnetic data. And, and really every seagoing scientist that I know loves to sit around and tell stories mm-hmm. about their shipboard life. So. If you would like to hear a few of those, I am game for sharing.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Tell us, tell us anything. I mean, I'm totally open. I love, I love storytelling. So go for it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so my first cruise was on research vessel Ewing. We mm-hmm. always give the names of the research vessels we're on. At um, that time, it happened to be the only seismic ship and in the U.S. fleet mm-hmm. of, of research vessels. And so in this cruise, we were interested in imaging the ocean crest beneath mid-ocean ridge spreading centers. Sure. And as a lot of listeners know, that's where the ocean crust is formed yep. before it then gets spread off axis or moved off axis. Mm-hmm. So what was so interesting about that cruise was that we had, we towed air guns behind mm-hmm. the ship. So <laughs> 10 long streamers or mm-hmm. cables that... They were fanned out behind the ship so that they wouldn't get tangled. Mm -hmm. And they shot every 90 seconds to, I know, to be the sources Uh of seismic waves to go through the ocean crest and then um, recorded by seismometers that we had actually uh, deployed to the ocean floor Mm -hmm. beforehand. And that's a whole procedure that I learned about that was really cool. Um, but you get you get used to the booms every ninety oh seconds. Gosh. It just drifts into the background. Yeah. Um, and so and so what? So one of the things that shipboard scientists uh, enjoy telling telling people about is the different ports that they go to because they're often exotic. Yeah. And so that cruise started in St. John's, uh, Canada, Newfoundland. Mm-hmm. It was actually Canadian Thanksgiving that day, so not. So nothing was open that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we um landed in Bermuda. Okay. and yeah, which was a great place to land. We had actually outrun a hurricane during that oh. cruise. And oh. so it was nice to be back on dry land.
0: yeah, oh my yeah. gosh. that's crazy yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, it was it was amazing. i my shift on that cruise was, uh, really different from how the U.S. fleet operates. It was a 12-hour shift from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m., mm-hmm. which, you know, looking back at it now, I think I must have been in the second string <laughs> not to get the 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. shift. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you get used to working at night at sea and you get really close to your shipmates. So mm-hmm. so that was really great.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. That's amazing. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Um, I, I've only been offshore, like, on an oil rig, so never, a, like, oh, a boat cool. that gathered seismic um, yeah. data. Do you... Yeah. Ha, is it similar? Like, the dy- the the dynamics, do you think are similar? I mean, have you been offshore at all on an oil rig or done anything like that?
1: I have not. Okay. I, I, I'm open to the possibility. I wouldn't say that I have to do that within my career. Mm-hmm. I... I may have had the opportunity in the last several years to go sit a well up on the Alaska North Slope. Oh wow! Uh huh. I know, but I didn't. I didn't really encourage it. I didn't. It wasn't something again that I had to do. Sure. I did get to fly up to Dead Horse um, on the Beaufort Sea cool. coast, where Prudhoe Bay Field is, uh-huh. and and at least fly over Mount Denali and. The Brooks Range and then the coastal plain before you get to the seacoast. So that was amazing, but I'm not sure that I would have wanted to, (laughs) you know, sit a well on the tundra uh, during the winter in Alaska. Yeah, Yeah.
0: definitely. I I can totally see that. So, um, you would you say right now, are you still working in uh, the energy sector or could you tell us a little bit about your research? and then maybe something that you really enjoy about your research or something about your specific field that you're in at the
1: moment. Sure. So, after I graduated with a PhD in marine geophysics, I I thought I would go to an academic career. Mm-hmm. I I had this very specialized niche of mid-ocean ridge science, and at that time, the the ridge science program was winding down and I realized that an academic job path was going to be very difficult to move into. Mm -hmm. And I also was very aware that that mid-ocean ridge science, while very interesting, was not very practical. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my first job out of grad school was at the U.S. Geological Survey. Mm I joined the geophysics group there. I was assigned to the energy team on my very first day. And honestly, Rochelle, that was the first time I had ever heard about oil and gas. <laughs> like, yeah. Literally the first time beyond putting it in your gas tank in your car. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so it was just not it was just not part of anything I I had experienced at at Brown and at MIT. But, but I loved it. And I think part of that, Rochelle, is the people mm-hmm. that I met along the way. Yeah. and the yeah. the science that the USgs requires federal scientists to do or mandates them to do, which is assessing under undiscovered petroleum in the subsurface.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that allowed me to bring together my very quantitative background with the geology of, of California where I did the two assessments. And, and that leads me to say Rochelle that my degrees are in geophysics, Mm -hmm. but I, I do just as much geology now and then as, as ever and, and marrying those two bringing the, the very real, rocks into mm-hmm. the equation, as it were, is it's it's absolutely necessary.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's, be, that's what being a, a geoscientist means to be. Me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so anyway, I I left the USGS. Um, it was the place where I met the colleagues that I work with every day now at Stanford, um, which is I just have to say their names because they're amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Les Magoon, Ken Peters and Ken Bird. And we all left this at the same time, um, for different reasons. And because you and I met through gender equity, mm-hmm. I will just share that the reason I left was because I couldn't work out a part-time work schedule when I had my child. Yeah. Um, moreover, there's no maternity leave in mm-hmm. the federal government. Oh so I had, I had used up all my leave, my, um, sick leave and vacation leave and, I, I had to leave. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh my
1: gosh. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah.
0: I'm so sorry to hear that. So how long were you, um, did you take off then to have your children and be with your family?
1: Yeah. So, so I was really lucky Rochelle because I had a uh, full time off mm-hmm. for a year or so. And then Steve Graham, professor Steve Graham yep. at Stanford, he and I had worked closely together on. Assessments in California, he came to me in 2008 and he asked me to come start the Basin and Petroleum System Modeling
0: sure.
1: uh, Affiliates Program there. Mm-hmm. And and wow, well, that that was a vote of confidence, Rochelle, that he would think that highly of me and mm-hmm. bring me on board. And moreover, in in the same theme of of gender equity and what it means to be a mommy in particular is that he he said, come on board at whatever, whatever length of time you want to per week. Mm-hmm. And it could be 10 hours or 20 or 50 or hundred or 40, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, percent time. And that, you know, people just don't get that. He, uh, he, at least here in Silicon Valley, you either, you know, work part. you Were the work full time or stay home full time? And yeah. I realized at the time, Rochelle, just how lucky I was. Yeah. To, to have that, and so, and then when I was ready to go back, you know, mostly full time. I'd only, I'm only been seventy five percent time until last fall. Okay. And and so that's that flexibility is invaluable. Absolutely.
0: I'm so glad you met him. I have met him um, once on a training course for industry, and mm-hmm. he was the kindest man. I mean, you could just tell instantly yeah. when you meet him. Like, he just yeah. has a really good soul, and he's very fair, and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have all of these biases that, you know, a lot of times we have to. Suffer from
1: (laughs) absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And he's a busy man, even more so now that he's the dean of the school. Sure, of our sciences, Mm -hmm. he's so busy. But I'll tell you, he always makes time for his graduate students Mm -hmm. and for me. And I'm I'm grateful for that. That's that's very meaningful to me to see how he juggles it all.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's like impeccable leadership um, on his part. So, that's so, a, that's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. I hope other people, you know, see that and are inspired going forward and maybe think twice, you know, what they, right. how they treat people and what they say to yep. people.
1: Yeah. Yep. And maybe to flexibility, um, in management, in what both moms and dads need in terms of being off of work for a while and, being able to be with these miracle munchkins who grow up so fast. I mean, everyone tells you they're going to grow up so fast. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you really realize it when you're up in the middle of the night or starting kindergarten or whatever, and you don't want to miss those moments. And Mm so, you know, this country doesn't have the the amazing parenting leave that countries in Europe do, Mm -hmm. but, If there's enough stories out there, Rochelle, where, you know, management can rethink Mm -hmm. what parents are, what options are available to them, then that's why I offer this story. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you so much for, um, you know, mentioning it. I think the more we talk about it, 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 the more it becomes mainstream and people are made aware of it, then it, it allows for change. Um, hopefully to happen on a broader, larger scale. Yep. That's what I'm hoping for, at Absolutely. least. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So going back to your research and yeah. your field, do you foresee any new trends uh, developing in the, your work right now, maybe coming out of COVID or even the next five to 10 years?
1: For sure. Um, I think all of us have, you know, we've all been through this this tunnel from the last year that has affected us all, um, personal and career levels, mm-hmm. right? and we we have this privilege that other you know folks around the world do not in terms of keeping our jobs and our health care, recovering from COVID or not. It's just been you know I think a dark tunnel for so many mm-hmm. and. I think the the difference this time in terms of the petroleum industry is that it shifted so quickly yeah. last year to being something different. Yeah. And I don't think this is going to be the the same type of downturn that my colleagues experienced in the early 80s, let's say, and even Rochelle, you know, in twenty fourteen. Sure. I don't think this is going to turn around. I think we will be in this different space in petroleum, perhaps going forward, because of the the need and the focus on decarbonization
0: mm-hmm.
1: and clean energy. And actually I think the petroleum industry perhaps plays the or can play the largest role in that shift because they're already uh incredibly well organized set of expertise that can come to energy in different ways mm-hmm. yeah so I, I, I that's what I see coming for petroleum mm-hmm. and You know, even at Stanford, where I co direct the basin modeling program, I see the need for us to pivot as well. Mm -hmm. Especially because, you know, petroleum, the word petroleum does push buttons. Yeah, absolutely. In in not so positive ways. And, Mm You know, even though we will be using fossil fuels, you know, for decades going forward while we develop all these new technologies in the world, we need to also take the, the expertise that we have at Stanford in petroleum and, you know, turn it upside down, which for us means uh, starting to look at projects involving carbon capture use and storage. Yeah. Absolutely, and that's where you know basin modeling can be very effective. I think, mm-hmm. but has not yet come into the scientific pursuits. Okay, in in carbon capture. So, I'm very excited about that possibility, and indeed that pivot for us that are in basin modeling. Absolutely, yeah. I
0: was wondering. I have not done a literature search on carbon uh-huh. capture and basin modeling. So I think it's a new frontier, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It, that's oh, what it
1: I absolutely is. Okay. It absolutely is. Sweet. Um, what I'm, uh, what I'm encouraged by is that the state and, um, government, other government agencies and consortia did a study of all the sedimentary basins in California. Uh-huh. And the one that they found was the most promising by far for carbon injection and storage was the sacramento basin okay yeah which is happens to be an area of expertise for steve graham myself les Magoon, ken peters absolutely um it's a gas province Mm -hmm. which i had never studied before and i led the assessment for that at the usgs so you know coincidentally we have a a very robust 3D basin model of the Sacramento basin. Mm -hmm. So it feels to me like the pieces and parts of carbon capture and storage and basin modeling are right there in front of us. And I think now it's just time to go for it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I wish you the best of luck. I would love to interview you again when you are ready to publicly present the results of your work.
1: <laughs> great! Yeah, Thank you. You... it'll be a while, I think. Yeah,
0: <laughs> definitely. But when you get yeah. get your pubs out and things really start cooking, I would love to have yeah. you you back when yeah. you're in a place yeah. where you can share some of that because I think that's the big um, that question great. on a lot of people's minds <laughs> yeah. these days. Yeah, yeah,
1: for sure. And I think too we might get into this probably but I think too for our colleagues who have recently been downsized it's for sure a path that needs to be considered yeah
0: yeah yeah absolutely there is hope there is not this this black tunnel where it's like okay you're geologist, you you we don't need you anymore that's totally not the case
1: (laughs) absolutely absolutely
0: cool well I'm, I'm excited for that So would you say that right now you are currently in, um, I know it's cliche, but you're currently in your dream job or your dream role, or do you still feel like you're building up uh, towards something uh, to happen in the future?
1: Yeah, right. So it is a cliche, the dream job, but not for lack of of meaning, right? That's Mm -hmm. something that, I think we as humans aspire to it's enticing yeah and and you know the word dream for me feels like a fairy tale like it's it's the the happy wishes and the feeling that it brings us you know it's out there you want to grab it yeah Mm -hmm. and then when it's combined with job you know, jobs are so much about who we are yeah. and how we categorize ourselves in the world. Mm-hmm. So if the dream, the that, that happy place doesn't come with the job, then, you know, I think we lose part of ourselves too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so then coming back to myself from that philosophical detour, mm-hmm. um, what I've learned, I think, from from the two jobs I've had is that if you think you're in a dream job, and that's great if you if you if you are, that often it doesn't live up to once you get in there, it doesn't necessarily live up to that ideal. Yeah. Because, you know, stuff stuff comes in from, you know, from from work or from personal life and the glow of that fades. Mm-hmm. and there's just going to be awful days yeah yep so so from me i I'd, I'd say that in in my 20s and 30s and 40s my definition of what my let's say ideal job was has very much changed yeah. by um both where i'm at in my personal life and how i've changed as a scientist mm mm-hmm. Um, through all those experiences. Yeah. So, yeah, it's so just, you know, coming back to me, I, I feel, I do feel like I'm at a transition point in Mm. my work life. I'm in a um, non-permanent job at Stanford. It's funded by an affiliate program, which is, of course, it's soft money. And that's never been a problem that we haven't been able to meet. We've always had the funding for that. Sure. But, you know, two obstacles are very much in my mind right now regarding that. One is what we've touched on, which is that the energy industry is changing. Yeah. And the outward face of of energy is is decarbonization, which I'm mm-hmm. all the way for. But But personally then... Rochelle, I the second point is that I'm no longer fully satisfied by having a job that's not going to allow me to to grow into the the job title sure. or the I don't know the, the recognition space that I want to be in and you know this isn't a surprise I'm not saying anything that will surprise or I think even upset people Mm -hmm. being being in a position where I do research and advise students which I love and Mm -hmm. create courses and teach courses you know feels like the things that or are the things that professors do and i'm not a professor and yeah and there's reasons for that and you know what at this point in my life i'm fine with that but i want more yeah and so we'll see we'll mm-hmm. see what the next several years bring me
0: yeah absolutely i know i was actually shocked i thought you were I, this, I always, cause you, you do everything you should be, you know, you have, you're doing everything that one does. So I was, I was really surprised. Um, yeah, yeah. no, I, I completely understand, um, that, that feeling that knowing deep inside you have done the work, you've done everything you need to do. And yet, you know, you still on paper, it says something yeah. different. So
1: it does. Yeah. It does.
0: It's hard. Yeah, it's thank very, you. very hard. Thank you
1: for acknowledging that, mm-hmm. that. I think acknowledgement goes a long way. And you know, some colleagues at Stanford acknowledge that. And that's really what I need right now to figure out what the next step is. Absolutely. I hope it's at Stanford. I'd love for it to be at Stanford. Mm-hmm. I love what I do. Mm-hmm. I also I have a consulting company that I started in twenty thirteen. So mm-hmm. I finally have that experience of of drilling a well and being on an exploration team mm-hmm. and and so I think my experiences being a an academic and a government scientist and an industry scientist sets me up for whatever comes next.
0: Absolutely. And I know yeah. it will be good. I can feel Thank you. it.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thanks.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So do you have any advice from someone who is maybe sitting in a similar position um, as you? Like what? How? what's a coping strategy or is there yeah. something maybe looking back that, you know, you? I know you shoulda, coulda, woulda, yeah, but like absolutely. just looking back, is there maybe some... Yeah. Thing that you can see like, oh, if I would have known X, Y, and Z, yeah. um, maybe I would have done things a little differently.
1: Yeah. I, wow. Well, so that's interesting, Rochelle, because on the one hand, I have finally learned not to look back in a negative way. Yeah. That mm-hmm. took, that took me a while. Yep. Um, but instead to, um, yeah, I guess to learn from them, um, mm-hmm. I would have written more papers, early on sure. in my career, but I was so focused on starting up this affiliates program. It just ate my days um, alive. And now that I'm getting back to writing research papers, which I love to do, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe it's too little too late, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I don't know, but but I guess my, my thoughts are that the the main emphasis for myself and for colleagues who are, have now been downsized and unemployed mm-hmm. or are unhappily employed are to take very specific steps Yeah, towards the future. And, you know, one idea, when I was thinking about our interview today, one idea I had, and, you know, maybe it sounds goofy or uncomfortable is, is to seek out a career coach yeah. And you know, the reason I say that is because I don't necessarily have the skills to identify productive strategies yeah. for the next phase of my career, which honestly could bring me through to retirement, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I think too that, you know, we've heard so much the last five years in our industry about big data and machine learning and data analytics. and. Like five years ago, these were buzzwords. Yeah, totally. And, and now they're becoming integrated into the petroleum industry. But, but I think that they're, by some, you know, in some ways, they're viewed as the same thing. Okay. You know, data and machine learning and analytics. And what I've learned at Stanford, and maybe I'm very well positioned, mm-hmm. um, you know, as opposed to an industry scientist, because I am surrounded by computational experts every day. Um, I think it's critical to realize that these sub they're not all the same. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, so, yeah. and so, you know, retooling means researching heavily what appeals to you in mm-hmm. that, that data space, and then really go for it in terms of spinning up your your knowledge in that absolutely yeah expertise and and look I was thinking of something this morning Rochelle of all of our colleagues in Houston Mm -hmm. who have been downsized that so many companies here in Silicon Valley have said during COVID that their employees never need to come back to work Mm -hmm. and so you know maybe you can live in Houston and get hired you know, at a, at a tech company here or anywhere else and be able to stay home.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I I do think that, you know, there's, there are these difficult things that we deal with and, but Mm -hmm. there's always opportunity in the shadows. I truly, I really and truly believe that you just have to find some sort of positivity in it and just keep an open mind and, you know, if you really look hard i think you can find i think it's there i really do so well
1: i love positivity in the shadows and i'm writing that down right now because that's, <laughs> that's gonna get taped on my computer um you know interestingly i've gotten several calls from colleagues from from big oil big you know the, mm-hmm. the, the big ones you would think about the majors and they sound positive mm-hmm. they sound optimistic and You know, that's not a universal reaction because, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone's journey is different and have different opportunities and different sources of stress that Mm -hmm. we need to deal with because a career change affects everyone around us, Mm -hmm. not you want to move and uproot your life, um, et cetera. Do you want to turn away or in a different direction from what you've trained for and done all your, your work life? So, you know, for me, even, you know, even me being in what I think will, will become a new phase in my career, I I need to embrace activities that take care of my my soul mm-hmm. and my body and embrace them and 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 sometimes it's forced, right, Rochelle, where mm-hmm. you have to force yourself to to find joy. Yes. In the daily life. Um and you know you have to talk yourself into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I have a post it note taped to my laptop that says "embrace joy," mm-hmm. and and that's you know some days that keeps me going. And I'm behind the laptop, and I think I need to get up and and even if it means going downstairs and finding the the next best book that I've been wanting to read or. Taking a fifteen-minute spin around the neighborhood—that—that's what embrace joy uh, means to me. And mm-hmm. and and one more thing about that, I, our work lives aren't joyful all day long. Um, they're not. And and so one of the things I like to do is something that um, a, a statement that my mom used to say. She was a corporate trainer, and she said, "If you have to eat a frog, do it first thing in the morning." <laughs> yes. Meaning, you know, you didn't want that frog, the possibility of eating that frog over you all day. Yeah. And and that's a really good strategy for embracing joy and taking care of yourself is get that stuff off your desk early.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree because if I wait too long in the day and like, let's say something happens, something blows up and I lose sleep because of it, then the next day it's like awful. So if I can you know, get my schedule cleared and deal with all I need to deal with early, the better. Cause then I can have some peace when I need to sleep and rest.
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad you go through that too. Oh yeah. Big <laughs> because time. Then the next day, right. You, you, you either get to it right away or you say, Oh, I can't face it today. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, for me going through those emotions and I hope for others, that the key for me is to be gentle yes. with myself. Yeah. To, to not judge myself, which for me is hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, you said and you know, when we were preparing for this, one of your thoughts was how do you, how do you take care of yourself? How do you practice mm-hmm. self-care was what I thought, think you said. Yep. And in the last five years, for me, that means listening to the universe Yes. or for what it's telling me and and maybe that's that sounds like California or whatever we think like the our preconceived notions mm-hmm. of you know mm-hmm. what California is. but I think I would have come to this anywhere uh, I lived, which is that I need to slow down. Yeah and I need to maybe the universe is my own inner voice
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I have to absolutely slow down to hear it. And I have to focus in on what the universe has already brought to me in my work life and in my, in my home life.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with that. And I honestly think that I finally personally started realizing that very thing yeah just right before covid and then covid like amplified it unbelievably so and i was just like oh my gosh like i would have days where literally i you know because i i had lost my position due to covid i was like oh my gosh like yeah i literally have nothing i've never not had nothing to do since i was like a little kid it was bizarre But then I, it was like, I stopped and I realized how tired I was and how much, like, this is exactly what I need right now. Like I need to stop, start viewing this as a gift instead of this like tragedy or whatever. So yeah, it's
1: exhausting. Like you don't realize how much energy that takes from you Mm -hmm. uh, to be running through that. I haven't, I haven't ever been doing anything since I was little and you know, on and on and on. And I think, you know, you asked me, what do you look back on? And I said that I look back on the things that brought me, what did I say? That brought me, uh, you know, positive aspects Mm -hmm. or positive But now that I think on it some more, I look back at turning points in my career, Mm -hmm. places where I absolutely knew that i was taking a right turn mm-hmm. you know literally and metaphorically and you know whether it was on a cruise i was on a japanese research cruise where i was a female graduate student running the geophysics program and pushing back against the american white male on what we should do and mm-hmm. that's basically three strikes you're out
0: Oh wow, on,
1: on a japanese research cruise um, but i went with it and that gave me Such strength of courage that I keep with me today, and you know, I was 25 then, yeah, and it inspires me still,
0: yeah, yeah, it inspires me too. I, yeah, everything happens for a reason, that's for sure.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, I think, I think keeping those experiences, Rochelle, for me, are Mm -hmm. like deposits in a bank, Mm -hmm. and you just keep depositing and depositing, and you're aware that someday that big withdrawal is going to come. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. <laughs> and, and darn it, you need the, you need all of the interest that you gained on that deposit to get through.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great yeah. metaphor. I really yeah. like that because I, yeah. I do think the same, I think of it in the same way as well. I really do. Yeah. 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 Great. Well, thank you so yeah. much for yeah. talking with me today. I feel like I could talk to you forever. I'll definitely right. have you back at some point when great. you're ready great. to talk yeah. about your next, yeah. your next adventure. So thank you That's so great. much, Allegra. You're
1: so welcome. I'm not sure our listeners would want to hear us talk forever.
0: But, um, <laughs> yeah, we got to let them go. They have to yeah. get back to their... They
1: <laughs> can do that. Um, you know, the- the parting thing I was thinking about when I was, you know, preparing for today was, uh-huh. you know, there's a, a a phrase that that Sheryl Sandberg made, um, really famous years ago about leaning in yes. to to things. And for me, I change that up a, a little bit and say that I want to live into mm-hmm. what I'm working on, and and it has to be active. Yeah. And I have to fully live into it, and I have to joyfully live into it mm-hmm. so I take that with me
0: yeah thank you so much and You're I welcome yeah that's a great message to leave our listeners I I really like that she should um yeah she should let you coin that one and put it on her platform
1: that <laughs> <laughs> sounds to get me that sounds good to me maybe yeah. it's my next book right yes
0: exactly so, great Good. thank great. you Allegra well, thank
1: you and thank you to everyone who will eventually be listening
0: absolutely take care yeah. bye-bye you
1: too bye-bye